0: Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at CelebrationChurchLive.com That we are gonna get into the third part of this series um, that we've just called uh, Three Ring Circus. And you notice that we've got the place decorated up and and all of a sudden my son Weston just grew like you know, tons of feet overnight, and so we're having a lot of fun. We got clowns running around here, Um and so, and then we also have people dressed as clowns running around here, so, um, and so we're having a lot of, we're having a lot of fun as, uh, as a church with this, because the truth is, is that um, our, our lives can get as crazy as wild as a three-ring circus. And sometimes it just feels like things are just constantly out of control, out of control. Yes, most people today, you just run into them at Walmart, you run into them at HUB, and you say, how's life going? And that answer is busy. Life is busy. There's lots of stuff going. There's lots of stuff being pushed and pulled all over the place. And, and God wants us to not just, he wants us to thrive in life, not just survive. And so to be able to do that, we've got to begin to do life his way. John ten ten. Jesus tells us this, that the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. We have to live in an awareness that there is an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and to destroy anything of value in your life. Anything of value. He wants to, to bring destruction to it. Whether that's relationships that are, are valuable. Whether it's your health that's valuable. Whether it's the way you think which is valuable. Anything that has value in your life. The enemy wants to come and steal and kill and to destroy. And But Jesus says, but I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. That you may have it more abundantly. So he comes to give us life. As soon as we place our faith in Christ, we receive the incredible free gift of restoration in our relationship with God. We call that salvation, where we step over from death to life. The scriptures say we were dead in our sins. We We were dead. Jesus did not come to make uh, bad people act better. He did not come to make bad people good. He made, came to make dead people live. We, sin had destroyed us, had killed us. And he now gives us real eternal life. So we immediately have life. And then he wants to give it to us more abundantly. It's something we're growing in. We have life instantly, but then it's something we need to grow in. There's, there's another level of life. That's the more abundant life. And that is what this uh, life in Christ is all about, is growing in that front. And so many times, we, if we don't understand that our life in Christ is about movement, it's about growing, we can think it's about a decision that we made when we were a kid or we were at camp or we were at a VBS or, or we had even a moment in this room and we had, a, we had a moment here, and that was, my, that was my life moment, and then now I just kind of move on. And now I'm just kind of doing my church thing. I'm grateful for, to the life I have, and now I'm just kind of plugging in, and I'm just doing my church thing. And that's not what this is about. This is about growing in an, an abundant life. It is about movement. And that's one of the awesome things about a circus. A circus is about movement. They're here for a little while, and then they move on to the next town, and then they move on to the next town, and then they move on to the next town, and they operate in a tent so that there can be this movement, because where they are in that moment isn't their permanent home. And folks, the scriptures refer to this body that we live in, in multiple times as a tent. That God is creating a real eternal habitation for us there in heaven. And sometimes we can begin to lose sight of the fact that heaven is our real home. God wants us to, to live a good life on this planet. He wants us to prosper. He wants to walk us through this. But we have to recognize that we live in a tent. And we need to embrace this tent life. And we can get so wrapped up in this earthly life we forget to live the abundant life. The abundant life that flows out of the eternal life that's already ours in God. Whenever I made my a landmark decision for me, I, I embraced Jesus as my Savior at a very early age. And so I was around six or seven. I was at a church camp out um, in the Davis Mountains. And, and I made that decision. And I, I grew as, uh, as, a, as a kid in church. My parents always had us in church. And and so, but then as a teenager, um, I began to just kind of pull away. We went to church, but my heart was kind of hardened, and, and I just kind of did my own thing. My relationship with God was not something I was passionately putting any kind of energy into, and summer before my senior year, we go to camp in, in Colorado, and I've shared that testimony before, and I I just... Man, God was just reaching out to me. I dug my heels in. I was very reluctant. I didn't want anything to do with that. I was like, I'm not ready to change my life. I had this idea that I had to just be perfect immediately. That that was my commitment. That I was now I was gonna be perfect moving forward, and I was not ready for that. I couldn't do that. And I was like, no. And finally, God just said, you know, I just want you. I just want you. And so I was like, God, all I can do is give you. And there's no promises. I'm not promising to be a great Brandon. I'm just going to, sure, you can have me. But this is all you get. And that was all God wanted. And so I had that moment. And in fact, if you'd have kind of checked up on me and looked at me for about a year, maybe even a year and a half after that, you would have said that that moment at camp was worthless. Because you'd have thought you'd have seen no external change in my life my vocabulary when I was alone with my friends did not change my life on different things did not change but there was a there was a landmark thing that was done in my heart that the seed of God's of God's truth and me giving myself to him begin to grow and begin to grow and so and there was something that was done and that's why we can't be judging each other because God is working on the inside sometimes we don't see anything on the outside and say, well, I thought you prayed. I thought you had something going on in your life. I don't see anything going on. Quit doing that. Quit hating on their relationship with God. Sew so into it. Speak life into it. Speak life into it. Don't be judging it. Speak life into it. Somebody needed that. That's for free today. And so, <laughs> and um, anyways, and so as we were, as we, I had this amazing moment. And man, I, I have this great moment. Uh, well, my parents were having a revelation moment while I was at camp as well, and it was their revelation was they needed to move houses, and so I get back from camp and all of this and get get back to Odessa, and they're like, "Guess what? We bought a house." I didn't know we were moving, and so we didn't move towns. We stayed there in Odessa, but they bought a they bought a house. Now my mom has. We bought this, this house that when, I, when I was a kid, and she had systematically gone room by room by room. This is before any of the, the fixer-upper TVs, any of that kind of stuff. You didn't have any of the shows going on. And she fixed this house up, and it was this cute, wonderful home that, we, that she had systematically changed room by room and remodeled. And she, we, we go, and she's like, well, I want us to show you this new house so we go over to this new house, and it was a bigger house in a, in a better neighborhood. And it was a bigger house, about 70, 80% bigger house. It's a, it a bigger house. But this house was ugly. This house needed work. And so and when they walk through, and if you know me, I can I buy ugly houses and live in them. My wife has been drugged from ugly house to ugly house. We get it fixed up, sell it, and buy another ugly house and fix it up. And so Anyway, so I understand this process, but I just walk in, I come back from camp, I walk in and here is this dingy, nasty house and I walk in the front and just walk out into the backyard and I'm just like, what is going on? My parents have lost their mind and you know, it's their house, they can do whatever they want, it's their money, they didn't need their kids permission. And, uh, and so the, uh, but man, I was so, I was so frustrated because in my mind, if we were going to get something new, then it needed to be fully ready to live in. It needed to be perfect. How can we get something better that was still broken? That didn't work in my mind. And so many times we look at our new life in Christ. We're like, I prayed the prayer. Why do I still have this that needs to grow? And this need, needs to be changed. And this part that needs to be mature. A I thought that this new life in Christ, I was just going to get all of it all at one time. And guess what? It's all available to you, but it's got, there's a transformation process that comes over time. As you let God fully move in, you got to let him fully move into each space for it to be fully renovated. We have to allow God to do that. I was immature in um, my, my freshman year at ASU, and I had uh, my, that the, the seed of that decision in my senior year of high school began to really germinate and come out at, when I was here at Angelo State, and I was sitting there and I was trying to grow and I was frustrated with my own immaturity and my own issues and, and as I'm reading through the scriptures, I'm like, God, you know, Paul had a, had a full understanding of you and Peter had a full understanding of you and, and John had a full understanding of you and what's holding me back is I don't have a full understanding. So I, God, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to fast until I get a full revelation of Jesus. Yeah, that was stupid. Folks, that is not how this works. We don't just throw a temper tantrum with God and say, I'm gonna hold my breath till I just, I'm sick of my own immaturity. You just need to grow me up, Lord. <laughs> and so, um, and then using your immaturity to get maturity doesn't make sense. And so but I did I fasted and so I just I wasn't eating anything I actually started a job as a landscaper so I was working hard going to school full time and I was just refusing I'm just not going to eat and so I get about 5 days into this and God had sustained me I didn't get tired I didn't get hungry I had the energy that I needed and finally I'm just like having a conversation with God God I'm not any closer and this, then when I started and I'm finally just quiet, I remember sitting on the curb outside the men's high rise and I'm just frustrated. And I was like, Lord, I'm not getting anywhere. And he's like, because that's not how this happens. It's not how it happens. And the grace of God, grace of God gave me and sustained me through my hard-headed five day fast because the Holy Spirit knew I was not going to give in to hunger. So he sustained me that all I gave into was the sweet voice of the Holy Spirit. Say, son, if you'll just stay with me, we're going to get there. Just stay with me, we're going to get there. But that's none happened in a single moment. So, in all my wonderful newfound release from my fast and all my maturity, I walked over to the uh, ASU cafeteria and made myself sick on chicken fried steak. And so, and, uh, just again, showing my, my immaturity. But we want that. We want. To be able for for things to be all to be done in a moment. And we're uncomfortable with the tent life. We're uncomfortable with things not being fully right. there, We're uncomfortable with moving from place to place to place. And from glory to glory. But that's the way God works in our lives. It doesn't happen. It's given to us all at once. But we have to mature into it over a period of time. Folks, it's time for us to embrace the tent life and move forward. With God. 2 Corinthians 5:1 says, For we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Later on in in that in verse 7, it's not gonna be on your screens, but that's where he says, For we for we live by faith and not by sight, understanding that our real life is with God. That is what helps us to live by faith and not by sight. Peter writes in 2 Peter 1, he says, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. He understood that this this life, this life is not the permanent real life. Our eternal life is the permanent real life and we have to have that on our minds so that we can live this life correctly. Luke 9 62, Jesus says, He says, No one who puts hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. We tend to want to stay planted. We tend to want to stay at a moment in the in the past. And he says, We've got to stay moving forward. We cannot be constantly looking back. And it doesn't say that you're not fit for the for the kingdom. It says not fit for service enough being be able to function in the kingdom of God. It doesn't say if you look back, you're getting booted out of the kingdom of heaven. That's not what it says. It says you're not going to be able to function. If we're constantly looking back, we're not going to be able to function. And so real quickly, I want us to look at some of the things that keep us from being okay with the tent life. With just being able to move forward from glory to glory, to recognize there's movement here. That we're on a journey. It's a walk with God. And the the first thing that can hold us back is the good. The good is a place sometimes we get stuck when we want to stay in one good spot. It's good. Uh, The little house I grew up in, it was a good little house. I liked it. Had, I had my own room. I had my own bathroom. It had all been remodeled. It was good. I wanted to stay there, but God had something else. Guess what? The house we moved into, my kids learned to walk in that house. A bunch of my my children's memories of their cousins are all in that other house that I didn't want to have anything to do with. My wife, I met my wife in that new house. I met her at that place. That was where we connected. It was, It was. Things were good, but I was unwilling to move forward. I wanted to stay in a A previous good place. Here in Matthew chapter 17 says, Peter said to Jesus, and this is there on the Mount of Transfiguration, and and Jesus has taken three of his 12 disciples up uh, to a special place, and he is transfigured. He gets his glorified body, and he's talking to Moses and Elijah, two rock stars of Israel. And he's sitting there, and they're having a conversation. They're talking about what's about to transpire with with his death and burial and resurrection. And and they're getting to watch this, and it is amazing. And Peter is just like, this is so cool. says, and Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish. Thankfully, it was if you wish. What you want is still what is important to me says, if you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. We'll just stay right here. This is the coolest spiritual experience I have ever had in my life. Let's just stay here. And folks, there are are Christians who are stuck in places that they had an amazing experience with God and they want to stay there. There are denominations that are stuck because there was one way that, they, that God was connected with and they want to stay there. There are lots of people that have one great amazing thing and they want to stay there. Peter wanted to stay there, but praise God. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. See, the love of God was there. To move him forward. That was a great experience. He was hand chosen to be a part of that. Only three of the twelve got to experience that. In fact Jesus said don't talk about this until I've been glorified. And they didn't even know what that would mean. So they didn't even. It was a special experience they got to have. That they didn't even discuss with anybody else. Until after Jesus' resurrection. It was an amazing thing. But it was for that moment. It wasn't to build a shelter and stay there. So many times we're unwilling to do the tent thing. So we want to build a permanent structure. And let's just stay here. And that will hold us back. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. He takes us on a journey From glory to glory. From one good thing to the next good thing to the next good thing. And that is how he works in our lives. The next place we can get stuck is not just the good. We can get stuck in the bad. We can get stuck in the bad when something puts... And we get stuck in the bad when we focus. When we focus on the bad. When we focus on our problems. Here is a, a passage of scripture where we see a guy... Who has his idea that he, of the way he wants to handle this? Notice Peter had a plan. Peter had a plan and he wanted to be able to get it done. So many times we come to God wanting him to be the blesser of our plan instead of the leader of our life. Yeah. We, also, we saw it with Peter. He wanted God to be the blesser of his plan. I've got a plan, let's build the, sh- build the shelters. We've got another guy who's got a plan. John chapter 5 says, Sometime later, Jesus went to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there in Jerusalem, near the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades or porches. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? That is a straightforward question. Do you want to get well? Yes or no? Do you want to get well? The guy does not answer that question. He's, sir, the invalid replies, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. i got a plan to get well. There's this mystery around this pool. People say that, that an angel comes and stirs the waters. and The first person that gets in gets healed and, and everybody keeps jumping in. There's a waters that gets stirred and somebody gets, jumps in ahead of me. He didn't even reply to Jesus' question. He focused on his problem. Do you want to get well? I don't even have anybody to put me in the water. Every time I get stirred, somebody beats me there. He is focused on his plan and the problem that things are not going the way he wants them to go. So many times we get stuck in the bad. Because we have this thing figured out. We have our life figured out. And every time it starts to go in a certain direction, things go sideways. They're like, oh, come on, God. Help me out on this. You see my struggle? Send somebody to tip me in the water or something. Come on. Somebody give me a hand over here, Lord. But God had a different plan. It says, and then Jesus said to him, get up. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. This was a completely different plan. No water necessary. Nobody chunking him into the water when they stirred. No waiting for some sort of angelic visitation for things to be aligned just right. It was simply obey what Jesus had said. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured, and he picked up his mat, and he walked and the day on which he, he, this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Sadly, there are those people that no matter how much good that happens in your life that God does, there are always going to be somebody that has a problem with it. So you know what? So just don't care on that anymore. Let's just let God be God in our lives don't care who has a problem with the good he wants to do in our lives and let's just move forward with him because there's always going to be somebody who has a problem with the good that God does in your life. It's just going to exist. It is just going to exist. So this guy had a plan. He had a plan. Didn't go to plan. But praise God the love of Jesus was there to help move the guy forward. To help move him forward in the, the last place that we see here that we can get stuck and yes i've got an old west reference you get stuck at you get stuck at the good you can get stuck at the bad and you get stuck at the ugly <laughs> do <Do-ba-do-ba-doo. laughs> we get stuck at the ugly when we think we're owed something when we think we're owed That is when the ugly happens. James 3.16 says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Every evil practice. And here we find a story, a beautiful story of restoration. A beautiful story uh, of grace and renewal. A beautiful story of somebody getting some good from God and somebody having a problem with it. Somebody who had a plan and said, This is the way the plan needs to go. We've had three people now who are upset that things did not go according to their plan. Luke chapter 15 is a story of the prodigal son. And a lot of us know the story, the prodigal son, the guy, man, had two sons, and the younger one, the younger one, who in the culture, the oldest son gets a double portion, okay? So when the younger son says, hey, dad, I want you to divide my inheritance with me and go ahead and give it to me early, which is basically saying, dad, you can't die fast enough, Um, just go ahead and give me my share, Um, The oldest son, so the way this would work in in Jewish law, is that he had two sons, so then he divides his property by three, and so that the oldest son gets two portions. So the oldest son gets two-thirds of what the dad has, and this youngest son, this prodigal son, gets a third. That's just the way it worked. If there had been 11 sons, they'd have divided it by 12, and the oldest son got a double portion. That's just the way it worked. So the oldest son... Doesn't the older son stays with two-thirds of dad's wealth and the younger son goes off, wastes everything, comes to his senses, comes back home. Thinks he's just gonna have to get like ask dad for a job. Dad embraces him as son. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. Throws a party, kills the fatted calf, and everything's going on. An oldest son who never went anywhere had been off work, and and as he comes in towards the house, he hears the sound of the party, and he asks one of the hired hands, "What's up? What's going on?" Let's pick up in verse 25. It says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. He didn't know about this party. There's a party going on at his house, and he didn't even know about it. It's a spontaneous dance party. And he says, And so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father killed the fatted calf because... He has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. Said, I'm not going to have anything to do with this. So the father went out and pleaded with him. He did not say, I'm still the dad here and get your rear in there and be thankful your brother's back. He pleaded with him. He dealt with him on on a peer level. Come on, let's think about this. Let's, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's, and he, he pleads with him. He pleads with him. He says, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. My plan is I'm going to work I'm going to work, and I'm going to do everything that's required, and I'm going to dot every I, and I'm going to cross every T. I'm going to take care of business, and I'm going to work, and I'm going to do this, and I've been working this plan. And yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. I've been working my plan, and I've got nothing for it. You didn't give me a go. You didn't let me have a celebration. You didn't anything. But when you're, the son of yours, won't even call him his own brother, the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, the only time prostitutes in the story ever shows up is when the brother is upset. And so prostitutes fits in wild living, says he had some wild living. But the, the brother is just possibly just adding on to the insults Of his younger brother. Says with prostitutes comes home. You kill the fatted calf for him. You didn't even give me this. And now you lay all of this out. For the guy who squandered your wealth. And the son had had this plan. That he was working needlessly. He was working to try to get the father's gifts needlessly. Look at what the father says. He says my son. The father said you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. When when it got divided up, everything that stayed here was yours. He could have taken a goat any time he wanted it. He could have had the fatted calf if he wanted it. It all belonged to him, but he was so wound up, and I'm going to work it, and I'm going to do it, and now it's owed to me. Now it's owed to me. And he didn't get what he was owed and he had worked his system and he had worked his plan and it didn't work the way out. And now he is offended because I worked my plan and I did not get the results that I thought I should have got. When really it was, the whole thing was an act of grace all along. And he was trying to work under a system of law and trying to earn something when the whole thing was a gift the whole time. Folks, we have to recognize this. Said, and, but the father goes on to say, but we had to celebrate And be glad because this brother of yours is dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Here the love of the father was trying to plead with this other son. To be able to get him to move forward. The love of God interrupted Peter's speech when he wanted to stay at the good. And made him move forward. The love of Jesus interrupted the plan of the paralytic. And had him pick up his mat and move forward. The love of the Father is sitting here pleading with the Son to not have him stuck in bitter envy and feeling like he's owed something and working some sort of religiousism with some somebody who's who's worthless gets in on this thing just like me who works. Be able to plead with him and help him to move forward. Why? Because God wants us to be able to move forward. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we just walk this out, all that we have, all that's that's been freely given to us, we'll mature into it, we'll grow into it. Folks, that is the thing God's doing. He's, He's given us life and life more abundantly. He's taken us from glory to glory. Our bottom line today is God loves you enough to meet you right where you are, and he loves you enough. To not leave you there. And so this morning I want to just, as we're wrapping this up, to just leave you with a a couple of of questions. Today, as you're dealing with the circus of your own life, is there a place where you're stuck? Is there a place where you're stuck at the good? Maybe there's something that was good that you're, you're desperately trying to hang on to. You're, you're, you're stuck and you just want to camp out at one place and God wants to, to move you forward. Maybe you're stuck at the bad. Maybe there's been a problem, and you just you have your plan and it just keeps not working and you just keep being frustrated by the problem and you keep staring at the problem and you're stuck at the bad, and you need to let go of that and to move forward. Or maybe, maybe you're stuck at the ugly. Maybe you've sat here this morning and you're the one who feels like you've been owed something. You feel like a family member owes you something. You feel like God owes you something. You feel like an old business partner owes you something. You feel like you're owed something and it has just locked you down and you haven't been able to move forward. I just wanted to give you an opportunity today to just have have a moment with God and let go of that. Let go of that. Our real life is our life in Christ. It's not this stuff. Don't get hung up here. Not on good moments, not on bad moments, not on ugly moments. Let's just let's just move forward. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.